The NFL Scouting Combine begins tonight. I'll give you the reports on NFL.com from Lance Zerline about the eight Bearcats selected to attend, invited to attend the NFL Combine. Strengths, weaknesses, we'll go over those reports from Lance Zerline. Plus, men's basketball is also facing its most important season next year. I'll tell you why. Coming up on Lockdown Bearcats. You are Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, we thank you again very much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day on this Thursday, March the, what is it, March 3rd, 2022. Yes, it is March 3rd. Is it? I think it is. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my days are still mixed up. I'm Alex Frank, welcoming you, you to today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats on a Thursday. Uh, Major League Baseball is in dire straits. Uh, not sure how many of you actually care. I do. Um. Bearcats are still playing baseball. They've got a weekend series coming up against Northwestern, but that's far um, not as important as to what is coming up this weekend starting tonight. That is the NFL scouting combine. Uh, eight Bearcats have been invited to attend, as I have documented many times on the show leading up to this weekend. But uh, NFL.com has their scouting uh, combine invite attendees reports. Analysis, Lance Zerline, uh, NFL.com analyst, has them all for 324 players that are invited to Indianapolis this weekend. He has reports for eight Bearcats. Um, I agree and disagree with some of the observations that he made. So uh, there are eight Bearcats. Eight Bearcats, of course, highest graded player going into this weekend is Sauce Gardner, um, fifth overall graded player. There are, um, I believe, four. Was it four? Um, Defensive players who are – no, there are, um, I believe, in the top five of Lance Zerline's um, highest-graded um, players. Sauce Gardner's ranked number five. You have four defensive players in the top five. Kyle Hamilton, safety from Notre Dame. Aiden Hutchinson, defensive end from Michigan. Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher from Oregon. And then Sauce Gardner, of course, cornerback from Cincinnati. The only of uh, the only offensive player who that um, uh, Lance Zerline has in his top ten or top five, excuse me, is Evan Neal, offensive tackle from Alabama. So there are eight Bearcats who are in who are at the combine this year. Sauce Gardner earned the highest grade at six point seven two. Now the grading system is based. It, it's weird how they do some of these grading systems uh, when it comes to stuff like this. The grading system is um, the highest grade you can earn is an 8. It's not 1 through 10. You think it should be, it's not. Sauce Gardner earned a 6.72. Or if this thing would load, I can tell you. 6.72. And so where that ranks is year 1 starter. It's based on a 1 to 8 system. Or no grade. I'm sorry, it's 5.5 to 8. No grade means grade not yet available. 
5.50 to 5.59 means priority undrafted free agent. 8.0 is the perfect prospect. 7.3 to 7.5 is perennial all pro. 7.0 to 7.1 is Pro Bowl talent. 6.7 to 6.9 is year one starter. And then they have other categories. Boom or bust potential will become good starter within two years. Will eventually be a plus starter. Will eventually be average starter. Good backup with potential to develop into a starter. Uh, traits or talent to be above average backup. And you go further on down. So Sauce Gardner earned a year one starter grade. NFL comparison, and I have said this before too, is Richard Sherman. So Lance Sterling compares Sauce Gardner to Richard Sherman. And I said that because Sauce Gardner did not allow a touchdown in his college career. When Richard Sherman was in his prime with Seattle, he rarely gave up touchdowns. There was a game, I remember this, this was the opening kickoff game of 2014. Seattle is hosting Green Bay. Richard Sherman was not thrown to one time in that game. Aaron Rodgers did not throw to his side of the field that entire game. Seahawks won convincingly 36-14. to 14. Uh, It was... It was a blowout from the jump. So we know that Sauce Gardner has the potential to be a shutdown corner. The way he developed over his three years at Cincinnati was admirable, was um, rapid, was he went from being sixth on the depth chart at fall camp in 2019 to now likely being a first-round draft pick. The only other cornerback who may go ahead of him, according to an, an area scout from that Lance Sirline has quoted, is Derek Stingley, cornerback from LSU. And if you, and if a cornerback from LSU is going ahead of Sauce Gardner, tip your cap. I mean, they're DBU for a reason. But the fact that Sauce Gardner, this little-known kid from Detroit, who comes to Cincinnati, is sixth on the depth chart. And yet by the fifth game of his freshman season, he makes the biggest play in the Bearcats football program in maybe 10 years since Pike to Bins, flips the script on the narrative between UC and UCF, flips the script that UC was the best team in that division in the conference. Eventually they were the best team in the conference. And yet another pick six against excuse me, East Carolina that saved UC's asses in that game. He had another interception against Memphis that gave him a chance in that regular season finale. He had a really good sophomore season, and he had another great season this year. I mean, his performances against Notre Dame, he had an interception in that game. Notre Dame, see, I don't know how many people remember this from the Notre Dame game because there were so many parts to that game. The crowd going up 17 to nothing in the second quarter, eventually winning the game, and then, you know, chance of let's go Bearcats taking over Notre Dame Stadium. But Notre Dame on their first possession was moving the ball at will. Michael Mayer was making an impact, and that was what we were all what we all were fearing. But then Jack Cohn throws an interception to Sauce Gardner, and the game completely flipped. The entire momentum, because UC's best defensive player, most impactful playmaker, made a play. And that put the fear, and and that kind of you know made some unease for Notre Dame, the crowd that the Cincinnati crowd that was there that day, which you know we all know was very vast and uh, rabid, extensive. 
the crowd got into it. So Sauce Gardner, um, strengths that are meant or, or uh, the overall confidence level that will be labeled as cocky by some evaluators. That's fine. You don't give up a touchdown throughout your college career, you should be cocky. I mean, that that's totally fine. And cornerbacks a position, you know, you see this on NFL films mic'd up. You see it in any other mic'd up um, snippet or um, reel. Cornerbacks are trash talking. I mean, they are trash talking. Wide receivers, they trash talk. That's a position because I, I don't know what it is about that position, just the nature of it, just the fact that, you know, there's speed, there's athleticism. I mean, there is just a whole lot of trash talk. Fine. Urgent and aggravating in man-to-man. Um, that was another thing that was labeled here. Where is that? Um, where is this? Urgent and aggravating in man-to-man, which could become a debt, which be- could become a deterrent for NFL quarterbacks scanning to his side of the field if he can avoid a big spike in penalties as he adjusts to NFL officiating, has the traits and and demeanor to become a highly effective cornerback one within his first couple of seasons. There you go. In playing corner in the NFL, it's one of the most important positions. Because with all the great, I was just listening to the Peter King podcast, and he was talking with Daniel Jeremiah. You know, all the great receivers that we saw in this year's draft class, Jamar Chase, Jalen Waddell, um, Devontae Smith. You need elite corners that can handle that speed. You can handle the athleticism. That's what they can handle the size. You need corners in this league. Like you saw with the Bengals this year, they went out and signed two corners this offseason. And by the way, both played out. Both had the highest, the two highest PFF grades in man coverage, Chidobia Wuzier and Mike Hilton. Hilton may, maybe was the best defensive player for the Bengals in the postseason. Wuzier was, at times, really good in the regular season. Had an interception in the Super Bowl. Cornerbacks absolutely matter. If you can get a shutdown cornerback like Sauce Gardner, whichever team does get him, they're going to be getting a very, very good corner. And especially if he goes to a pass-happy division, quarterbacks are going to be introduced to him very quickly. They may either by, you know, a deflection or coverage or an interception, they may not want to throw to his side of the field. Um, strengths that Lance Erline cited. Um, desired blend of confidence and competitiveness. Um, handled his business against Jamison Williams. I think that's a big point there. On the biggest stage for a group of five team against a receiver who Daniel Jeremiah said on Peter King's podcast, if Jamison Williams had not gotten injured in the national championship game, he may have been the first wide receiver taken. In a wide receiver class this year that maybe isn't as great as last year's or maybe isn't as great as any other receiver class we've seen recently, certainly last year's receiver class was very, very good, as we know. Jamison Williams could could have been taken the first receiver. Sauce Gardner shut him down. I think it was seven catches for 62 yards. You can say seven catches. That's an average of less than nine yards a catch for a receiver who lived off of explosive plays. Um, Desmond Ritter, I'll touch on him uh, in segment two because there are some points I disagree with. 
And after you get past Sauce Gardner and Desmond Ritter, there aren't really high grades for the Bearcats invited to the NFL Combine. But that doesn't mean much because you never know. Tom Brady was a sixth-round pick. He's now a GOAT. The GOAT. I'll touch on that next here on Lockdown Bearcats. But first, I need to tell you about Run Your Pool. You see, March Madness is only 10 days away. Selection Sunday is only 10 days away. That means you need to start thinking now about where you're going to be running your brackets this year. Are you going for the usual, or are you looking for the best? We've done our homework here, and we're running brackets with RunYourPool.com. Along with standard brackets, Run Your Pool offers game types like Survivor or Pick X. Both are really fun in their own way. They have options to edit scoring, and they offer more intel to make your picks, all stuff you won't find at ESPN or CBS. If you've got a business, Run Your Pool can help you take some of that madness magic and play alongside your employees or even gain customers. Plus, they offer full white glove customer support, custom branding, and one of the easiest three-minute setups you'll ever find. Clearly, we believe in Run Your Pool because, like I said, we're running our brackets there ourselves. There's no truer test than that. If you want to play against us for a shot of the cash prize, join us at runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, create your own pool for your friends and family. Enter Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. All the rules and details will be available there. That's runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win a cash prize. We look forward to seeing and beating you there. Thanks again for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure to check out Locked On Bracket Breakdown March 14th right here on the Locked On uh, podcast feed, Locked On Bearcats podcast feed and YouTube channel. College basketball experts Chris Gordy, Andy Patton, and betting expert Lee Sterling give you in-depth breakdowns on every matchup. Conference tournaments and the smaller conferences in full swing. They continue tonight. Um, I mean, this is the absolute best time of the year. Um a lot of great games this weekend. Duke, North Carolina, Coach K's final game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Boy, wouldn't it be awesome if North Carolina beat Duke in that in that setting? Woo! And I think I think this has the feel of a, of a North Carolina upset at Cameron Indoor. It just you remember 2006 when North Carolina beat number one Duke and all the the star-studded power that was on that team. You know, North Carolina beat Duke at Cameron Indoor in 2012 when Duke was celebrating senior night with four outstanding seniors. That game was over basically from the first five minutes, 10 minutes of that game. 2019, they go into Duke, um, Zion Williamson, um, all the hype surrounding that game. Cheapest ticket was like $2,500. Or maybe the, that might have been the most, I think the cheapest ticket was $2,500. Um, yeah, and then, of course, now if Zion hadn't gotten hurt that game, maybe that game turns out differently, I don't know. Anyway, um, Carolina-Duke, though, best rivalry in all of college sports, and I say that as the host of Lockdown Bearcats and knowing that there's a rivalry here in Cincinnati, but then again, Xavier's 18-8 and eight in the last 26 meetings between the two teams. So, um, Sauce, uh, Sauce Gardner touched on him in segment one, Segment two um, here, Desmond Ritter. We all know that we all know his, like Sauce Gardner, his involvement over his four years, going from just, you know, a college football quarterback to being a college football quarterback with pro prospect potential. And it's very, very sudden, his rise. 
So Desmond Ritter um, threw three games, obviously, in the 2020. I mean, there was talk of him being benched. Fans wanted him benched. All right, then he goes on a Lamar Jackson-esque run over five games. From the SMU through UCF games, he was maybe the best player in the country. One of the best. Now, you can say Mac Jones. You can say Devontae Smith. I would put Desmond Ritter up there. In terms of his productivity, it was remarkable. I think he had 10 passing and rushing touchdowns over that stretch. Let that sink in for a minute. Desmond Ritter's NFL comp, according to Lance Zerline, Alex Smith. Completely disagree. Alex Smith can't do the things Desmond Ritter can. Alex Smith was a pure pocket passer from what I saw. Desmond Ritter reminds me more of Josh Allen. And I know that's a big comparison. You know what, too? He kind of reminds me a little bit of Joe Burrow. But Alex Smith, if Desmond Ritter can make it as a league in this starter, no disrespect to Alex Smith. Have a lot of respect for that man, especially after what he overcame. But Desmond Ritter, if he get, makes this a starter, will be better than Alex Smith. I truly believe that. Because he, I believe he fits what NFL quarterbacks are like today. So some of the things that Lance Sterline mentioned, in terms of uh, his the overall view, improved confidence in field command, accuracy and ball placement um, are questionable, um, can run, but is more of a pocket passer who can win with his legs than a true than a true dual threat quarterback. That's exactly who Josh Allen is. Josh Allen is a pocket passer, but Josh Allen can also run and he can win with his legs. Like, I understand what Lance Zerline is saying here. But from what I'm seeing, this is good. Strengths. Um, Machine-like mechanics and footwork. Speed to turn scrambles into chunk gains. Uh, Never have to worry about him working his way, working to get better. These are all really good things. But then the overall grade is, will eventually be a plus starter. Now that's good. He's saying, okay, he's going to be a plus starter. He's He's not just going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL like Tua. He's going to be a really good starting quarterback. I truly believe that. Now, if you want to question his accuracy, fine. You want to question his decision-making, fine. You want to question his arm talent, fine. I'm saying to you that I, Desmond Ritter, I believe, will get better. Desmond Ritter didn't have many opportunities, like a Matt Corral or a, a Sam Howell or quarterbacks in this class. By the way, most quarterbacks in this draft class have come from group of five schools, a.k.a. Liberty with Malik Wills, uh, Carson Strong from Nevada, or even independent like Jack Cohn and Notre Dame. You have Matt Corral and from Ole Miss, and North, uh, Sam Howell from North Carolina. Other than that, it's group of five quarterbacks. And that's why this quarterback, this, this quarterback class is not strong. I'm willing to bet you a quarterback does not go number one overall this year, which would be the first time that's happened since 2017. I am willing to bet you that's how this that's how this draft plays out. It would only be the second time since um, 2013 that a quarterback would not go number one overall, and that's just a, because this quarterback class is not great. It's good. I think there's a lot of talented quarterbacks in this league. I think Matt Corral, when he recovers from his injury, can be really good. I think Desmond Ritter is going to be a really good quarterback. But some of the things that are mentioned in here, like. We can go through the weaknesses. Deep balls have a tendency to come up short. Fine. Give safeties time to range over the top from the post. 
bats in relation to the first point that Sirline mentioned. Average arm strength for tight window throws. Most of Ritter's throws, yes, are to wide open receivers. Fine. But he had also a good receiver in Alec Pierce who you knew you could um, throw it up to him and he's going to make the play. Uh, Wind-up slows overall release quickness. And these are all things that I, I you probably don't pay attention to. Lance Sirline probably has the eyes of an eagle. Slower operation time led to 26 career batted passes per, per pro football focus. You saw that in the Cotton Bowl. That is a concern. You need more zip on the ball. That play to Alec Pierce, or that was intended for Alec Pierce in the first quarter of the Cotton Bowl, batted down to the line of scrimmage, that was a touchdown. That was a touchdown. If you throw that, if he has more arm talent to zip it, if he zips that ball, that's a touchdown. Maybe the game turns out differently. Struggles in throwing receivers open. Inconsistent accuracy on intermediate throws. I can agree with that. Rarely gets all the way through his progressions. Now, that might not be necessarily totally on him. and also might be on the offensive line. He never had – I mean, he didn't always have a great offensive line at Cincinnati. Average elusiveness could bring heavy punishment as a runner. I don't believe he has average elusiveness. I don't believe that. I think it's good, not great, but not average. Below average placement and velocity for pro throws. Fine. Peels back and over the top of the pocket leading to sacks. I don't know what the hell that means, but okay. Um, but the fact that, you know, he they don't they, they that he's not a true dual threat quarterback. He's not Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is not Josh Allen. Desmond Ritter is a good thrower of the football. I have seen it. I saw him get better. Now, I think there are a lot of things that have to be aligned for him to be a good passer. That's fine. The quarterbacks who don't need everything to be perfect for them to be good as passers, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Matthew Stafford, quarterbacks in, in that class, even Kyler Murray to an extent, maybe not him, but Desmond Ritter is going to have to understand. The receiver is only – Peyton Manning learned this early on in his career. The receiver is open in the NFL just for a second. You're never going to be that wide open in the NFL. And if you are, the defense flat out sucks. I mean, how many times was Jamar Chase absolutely wide open? Rarely. There was one play, the the, uh, third touchdown against Kansas City. Other than that, did you ever feel like Jamar Chase was that wide open? The windows in the NFL are going to be tighter. Um, Let's go to another scout. Scouting report: MyJ Sanders, who was graded at six point one three, meaning um, good backup with potential to develop into starter, and I do believe that. But some points mentioned about MyJ Sanders: drawn offsides too easily and too often. How many times did you see that last year? This this might be the most accurate scouting report that I read on the eight Bearcats invited to the NFL Combine. Strengths: flexible and um. Flexible and slippery, making it hard to sustain run blocks and mirror him during pass sets. True. Has potential to earn snaps as a designated pass rusher. You want to start him out that way, fine. You'll see that he deserves to be a, a three-down lineman, potentially. Um, on NFL comparison, Arden Key plays for San Francisco. Totally fine with that. I believe Maya J. Sanders will have a good career. I believe that Sauce, Ritter, and Maya J. Sanders will have the best careers 
out of the Bearcats invite to the combine. Alec Pierce, very critical of him in his scouting report, Lance Zerline. Um, but he did mention that he utilizes both his physical and athletic gifts. He's more likely to be talented or tabbed rather as a possession receiver with ability to um, create downfield trouble. Um, strengths, uh, big wideout who plays strong. Um, frame becomes barrier in contested catches. Well, if you're not open in the NFL for very long, that's great. I mean, if I had to pick a receiver that he reminds me of, in terms of that, I mean, in terms of size and his frame, maybe DK Metcalf minus the speed. And you want to talk about being able to go over the middle and big wideout who plays strong? I'd have to think of a slot receiver there. Um, What's a good one? I'll have to think about that. Anyway, so just some scouting reports. Um, very critical of Jerome Ford. Uh, didn't really say that there's room for him to make an impact in this league. But then one point, better athlete than a running back. Well, no crap. If you're playing running back in the NFL today, like you're expected to be able to catch out of the backfield. Jerome, Ford's an a- Jerome Ford is an athlete. You've seen him run. You've seen him, you know, athleticism to burst through holes. What are these scouts looking for in, in, in Jerome Ford? Linebackers will struggle to keep up with him. Yeah, they will. I mean, Marshall Falk ushered in the era of running backs being able to need to catch the ball. I mean, that's running back in today's NFL. What other points need to be made? Average backup or special team or grade for Jerome Ford? I'm going to bet you that he can be a good third down back. Be like a Samaj P. Ryan for the Bengals. I don't agree with Jerome Ford's grade at all. Eight Bearcats selected to or invited to the NFL Combine. Should be fun. Up next, uh, the Bearcats did play Houston competitively at least for a half on Tuesday. Uh, They still lost. Uh, The season is just uh, rapidly. uh, It's just rapidly going downhill. Um. But why next season is the most important season for Bearcats men's basketball? I will touch on that next here on Locked On Bearcats. And there's a game tonight, too, by the way, at SMU. But first, I need to tell you about Bet Online AG because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. It remains, BetOnline, the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball because BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. And once again, thank you for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Alex Frank here with you on this Thursday, March 3rd of 2022. The Bearcats in action tonight against SMU. 7 o'clock tip on ESPNU. 
You can listen to the game locally on 700 WLW. The Bearcats currently 17 and 13 and 7 and 10 in AAC play. Four straight losses. Um, they're four and six on the road. They did finish 12 and six at home. If the conference tournament started today, which it does not, it starts a week from today. The Bearcats could be playing a week from today in the conference tournament. Um, the Bearcats would be the seven C playing Tulsa. If they win that, they would play SMU in the quarterfinals. So you avoid Houston until the championship. And maybe if there's a miracle March Madness run within this team, you feel, okay, they can give Houston somewhat of a game. Last night they played Houston to a to an 18-point game, 71 to 53. However, they were outscored Cincinnati 33 to 19 in the second half. Some positives. Well, they shot 40% from the field, 52% in the first half, but just 7 of 25 in the second half. They were 8 of 27 from 3, but just 3 of 16 in the second half. They just didn't have enough in the second half. They were out-rebounded 41-28. to 28. Um, Some positives. Well, Mike Saunders Jr., 14 points off the bench. John Newman the third, 11 points, 7 rebounds. Um, 9 points from David DeJulius. Houston, Fabian White Jr., my lord, 28 points, 10 rebounds, 10 of 21 from the floor. Four players in double figures for Houston. Josh Carlton, 15 points, 9 rebounds. Kyler Edwards, 12 points, 4 assists, and then... Uh, Taze Moore, Taz Moore, how we pronounce his name, I already forget, 12.6 rebounds. Taze Moore, Tazy Moore, Tazzy Moore, 12 points, 6 rebounds. Houston shot 42.6% from the floor, 5 of 16 from 3. Um, there were 16 lead changes, much of that occurred, occurred in the first half. Five times the score was tied. Houston had... Um, 30, uh, 12 points off turnovers, 18 second-chance points. Bearcats had just six points off second chances. Uh, and there was also a technical foul. Not sure who that was on. I believe it was on Wes Miller. So, um, obviously, much better. They didn't get dominated. They held Houston to 71 points. Houston winning the regular season. Though congratulations to them. Kelvin Sampson. And that program, second regular season title in the last four years. I'm sorry, third in the last four years. They shared it in 2020, uh, won it outright in 2019, and won it outright this year. But next year is an important season. Because if you're going to the Big 12, where there is going to be ridiculously competitive basketball, including Houston. Houston's right now fit for the Big 12. Like I'm gonna come out, I'm gonna come out and say it right now. Houston is fit for the Big 12. Like it is going to be next year, you have to prove that you can compete with Houston, with UCF, that you can beat the teams you're supposed to beat, that you can recruit. Because for as much as football drives conference realignment, basketball too plays a role especially in a conference in the Big 12, which is a basketball conference. Night in and night out, the games are going to be, excuse me, ridiculously tough. You can't just have a bunch of individual players on the court. You have to be able to play together as a team. You have to, what Wes Miller has to do next year is, you know, just find a bunch of really good pieces and then mold them together. 
the pieces of the puzzle have to fit together. And if they don't, then we're not going to feel really good about this program going to the Big 12. We're just not. For a program that has historically been really good over the last 30 years, we have to feel good about them when they go to the Big 12. You get one more season, tune-up season in the American Athletic Conference. And even if if, even if this conference may not prepare you for what you're going to face in the Big 12, you at least need to beat the teams you're supposed to be, a.k.a. Temple, a.k.a. East Carolina, a.k.a. Tulsa, a.k.a. USF. And UCF. And play the teams that you're maybe not supposed to be competitively. They did that against Memphis. They've done that somewhat against Houston. So there is some positive there. They just right now, they don't have an identity and they don't play together. I need to see a team that plays together. I need to see a team that has an identity. And maybe the first half of of Tuesday night's game at Houston was the sign of something. There was post-presence, shot-making. And maybe that's one that maybe that's what what Wes Miller wants this team's identity to be. That would be great. But they need to establish that. They need to establish an identity next year. Like old Bearcats teams in the past, they need to be feared and respected amongst their opponents. That's what I need to see next year. And that's going to do it for me. Here on Lockdown Bearcast today, the Bearcats are at SMU tonight, 7 o'clock tip on ESPNU, final regular season game conference tournament next weekend. NFL scouting combine starts tonight, coverage on NFL Network. Eight Bearcats have been invited. We'll see how they uh, test test in terms of the physical and the mental aspects of the NFL combine. Uh, Spring practice getting underway on Saturday. We'll have uh, more on that tomorrow. More basketball tomorrow. Look ahead to baseball this weekend. Uh, they are Bearcats taking on Northwestern first weekend home series. And thank you for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On NFL Draft. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and N-A-T-I. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, and email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and until I talk to you all, to, uh, I'm sorry, Thursday, and until I talk to you tomorrow on Friday, I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great rest of your day.